0: Hey everybody, welcome to this episode of Leadosophy. You are here with an open mind because that is the rule, not the exception. Just kind of want to summarize the last few interviews I've had. I got to interview my wife twice, which was really cool. I uh, told it was a total of about two hours of interviewing, maybe a little bit longer. She, had a, she has a really unique perspective on leadership from her time in the military. and Then my time with, with Dr. Perkins and, and Ryan Leo, the ship captain. There's something really special about having a conversation about leadership with someone else. I like sitting up here and, and talking about leadership to the camera, just my thoughts filtering through, kind of unfettered as next as the next as much as the next person, but sometimes it's well, I say a lot of times or most of the times it's it's way funner to get into a dialogue with someone about leadership and get their their thoughts on the subject and their unique perspectives because that's what really matters. That's what deep learning is about. Talking to thought leaders. That's kind of what this episode is, is all about. I want to talk about some 10 takeaways using lead offs, Leadosophy's favorite uh, medium of communication, infographs. So here we go. Hope you enjoy the show. Are you ready to permanently fuse leadership and philosophy? Then a word of caution. You are about to enter the fully abstract yet wholly concrete realm of Leadosophy. Our ideas are not always so clear and distinct. To validate this proposition, we welcome the host of Leadosophy, Tim Wood. All right, welcome back, everyone. We are here on Leadosophy, as I stated in the opening, here with an open mind because that's a rule, not the exception. If you are watching on YouTube, you can obviously see I have my favorite infographic up on the screen. But you, if you are listening on the podcast, I have an infographic titled Leadosophy Reports, 10 Leadership Lessons from Leadosophy Interviews. The interviews I've, I've conducted thus far, I've done four of them. I'll tell you what, there's nothing like learning from other people. Even as long as I was in leadership positions managing processes. There is nothing like hearing the unique experiences from someone else because again, you know, from a, from a, philo- from a philosophical perspective, we cannot escape the theater of our, of our own perceptions. How we perceive leadership, how we perceive our experiences are unique to us. And to learn about other people's perspectives, you have to ask, you have to ask them questions. Deep questions, probing questions. You have to probe the deepest uh, parts of their thought on any subject, whatever it is. And you have to really want to try to understand how they think about leadership. Because again, they're never going to think about leadership like you do. So my understanding of leadership is going to be different, sometimes maybe just a little bit different, sometimes completely different, but it'll never be identical. My understanding or what I understand about what it takes to lead, what it takes to follow will never be the same as someone else. So I want to go over these 10 things. I've got 10 takeaways. It's going to be fairly quick, quick episode. The first takeaway is the law of unique experiences still holds. You know, if there's any, I always say there's no universal leadership truths. and I, And I truly believe that which again is very, it's a paradox because by saying that I'm positing a, a universal truth, but the law of unique experiences is real. And no one can have the exact same identical leadership experiences myself. So each leadership path is unique. And again, I don't want people to confuse similar decisions with the same decisions. No two realities will ever be the same. Shared experiences are no exception. Leaders and followers must communicate effectively to close some of the gaps in reality. So if you're leading a group of people, everyone has their own view of reality. If you are a leader and you have a certain objective or you have a certain vision, how you put forth that vision is being filtered through your own reality. You have to do your best to communicate that vision or those objectives or your mission as clearly and as simple as possible. So other people can close that gap in reality. So that's very important. Number two is the technical competence piece. It matters. It's real. It's legit. You can't deny it if you're in a position of leadership. Technical competence, your own technical competence, will have a direct relationship to how much people respect you as a leader. You cannot get around that. There is no easy path around that. Your followers will judge you by how much you know and understand. Bottom line, period. There's a direct relation between leadership competence and competence and craft. So I think I've, between Ryan being a, a ship driver, talking to Dr. Perkins, who's a principal, my wife who's in the Coast Guard, she has her own technical competence in, in search and rescue and things like that. How people view people, other, How people view others in positions of leadership, their technical competence, Within their sphere of, sphere of influence, will garner you respect. Can't get around it. Number three is get prepared. You cannot prepare for every situation, but you should try. You owe it to the people who are following you to be as prepared as possible because you can see things that they cannot always see. You know how to go seek information that they may not be able to go seek. You should try to harness those those capabilities as a leader. Preparation requires an imagination. What can go wrong? What can go right? Those are questions you must ask yourself. You must ask your team to get their viewpoints. And then I, I add, beware the law of unintended consequences when you make decisions. For every decision you make as a leader, there are going to be certain unintended, unintended consequences that you are not prepared for. Once that happens, you you must be prepared to deal with it. Number four on the list, you must understand the problem, the scope of the problem, the scale of the problem. Problems and challenges come in all scopes and and on all scales. If you don't understand the problem, luck is your only ally. And number one, preparation will be inadequate. This is if you don't understand the problem. Your preparation will always be inadequate. Your decisions may appear haphazard. Expectations may fall short or be misunderstood, misunderstood. And number four, what constitutes success or failure may appear unintelligible. Number five on the list of my takeaways from my interviews with other leaders. Empowerment is a real thing, man. It is a real thing in practice, not just in theory, not just reading leadership books where you should empower other people which is a very normative statement. You should, you ought to empower people. No, I've talked to leaders. You've, You've heard me, if you listen to the podcast, you've heard me talk to other leaders over the last month and they have told stories about empowering others and the effect that has on others. With that empowerment, you don't have to be the smartest person in the room. Empowerment grows leaders. If you don't allow other people to make decisions, to have some autonomy, how are they going to be able to take your position one day? or step in and fill your shoes as you move out of that position. Synergistic teams share power. That's what they do. No one has a monopoly on power. And more importantly, they don't feel like they have to have power, which is even more destructive. Empowering others is not always possible, however, nor ideal in some situations. And we talked about, I've had a couple podcasts where I talked about the closed mind. There are times when you are in a leadership position for a reason You need to make the decision. You have all the information. You've gathered all the data. You are in the best position to make that decision. You can take input from other people, but there are times where you don't need to empower others to make that decision. You need to put that responsibility on your shoulders and get it done. Number seven, information is powerful. A leader is only as good as the information he or she possesses. And this goes back to to preparation. Often followers possess more information and knowledge in and of the trenches. This is not a bad thing. Rely on your followers. Rely on the information that they are feeding to you. Look to their experience in the trenches of what they're doing, their technical job, right? It's important. Number eight, followership needs more emphasis. I really, uh, after talking to my wife, Over two hours of that interview, she's big on followership. She is a firm believer that we don't place enough emphasis on followership. And again, if if you scour the the ebook world for, or just go to any bookstore, I challenge you to find three, four, five books on followership. It's gonna be tough to do. Why is that? My wife said something I still think is pretty profound. Everybody is a follower. Everybody is a follower, will be a follower. Even leaders will step back and take a follower role. But not everybody will be a leader. Not everybody wants to be a leader. We should make that very emphatic statement known. Not everybody wants to be a leader or desires a position of leadership. That's okay. That is fine. Some teams perform well without a designated leader. Think about that. Think about the organic teams that just kind of pop up in a in an organization to work on a project. Leadership or the the title of leader un, unofficially may just flow back and forth. And that may have something very well to do with who is more technically competent at a certain aspect of the project. That's awesome. Those might be your best teams, your most highly effective teams. My last question on on this takeaway is is leadership overrated do we put too much emphasis on leadership there's a great book i can't remember who wrote it and it was basically talking about how we have glorified leadership to the point where we act like leadership is unattainable it's some lofty thing and i don't think that's good and i'm not saying again i'm not saying everyone can number one, achieve a position of leadership and number two, be successful in a position of leadership. And again, I argue what does success mean? We could go back and forth on the definition of success. But I do think we have a tendency to over glorify. And I think this goes back decades or even you know, a century or two on all these tall tales and great bold stories on, on leadership and whether it's in the military or political leadership. And again, I, th- I think sometimes we just make Make a little too much out of it. Make a little too much out of it. All right, let's move on to the the final two, my final two takeaways. Again, a closed mind is necessary at times. Sometimes there's simply a right approach that works and is time tested. Communication skills are vital, even if the leader lacks flexibility in actions and decisions. And number 10, number 10, I feel like David Letterman here. Number 10 on the list, leadership theory needs fact-checked. Leadosophy is about practice, theory, reflection. Two of those three corners, theory and practice. When do those two ideas align and when do they separate? And again, I've, I've had this conversation with many people. I've not been in a leadership position for, for a while now, a few years, I know after spending a lot of time in the, in the theoretical side of leadership that there are times when practically things just don't line up with the theory, with the leadership theory. And that's important. We need to, we need to make sure that other people understand when those, when those scenarios happen and when theory and practice do not line up. We have to try to deepen our understanding as to why. Was it a specific set of circumstances that came together in that one leadership context, or that one, uh, one group decision that was made or whatever group dynamics were going on. Right? We have to unpack all that. When interviewing leaders, ample opportunities exist to explore the line between prescriptive leadership talk and what actually happens on the field in the arena of leadership, the practical side. And again, I end with my favorite sentence. I'm still skeptical of the existence of any universal leadership truths. That's it, folks. That's Those are my 10 takeaways over my first four interviews in this journey of leadosophy. This is all uncharted waters for me. I'm, I'm kind of flying by the seat of my pants when I'm doing these interviews. I've had technical difficulties. I've had a lot of fun. It's been a really awesome experience. I can't wait to do more interviews. Probably going to start that next week. I just got back from, from a vacation seeing my kids back in one of the flyover states of Ohio where I was born and raised. My, both of my boys uh, live back in Ohio with their mom while one of them goes to college. So those are my takeaways coming back off, off that vacation. I'm glad to be back with you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Leadosophy. Remember, Leadosophy is about using the tools a Philosophical Thought to Deepen Our Understanding of Leadership. We'll see you next time. Thanks for watching. Thanks for watching and listening to another episode of Leadosophy. If you liked what you heard today, hit that subscribe button and check out leadosophy.com and learn more about Tim's ideas on philosophy and leadership. We'll see you next time.